Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. I've been doing this for, must be getting on for four and a half years now, five years coming up. Okay, let's start with the weather as usual. A little bit of wind from the west. The temperature is 14 centigrade, which is 57 Fahrenheit. 88% humidity, not that that means a thing. 1010 millibars on the old barometer, the barometric pressure. And it is, where are we, 10 past 7, Friday, 25th of August, 23. Yesterday, I went for a ride on a train with Trish and a few others. And it was pulled by the Flying Scotsman. Absolutely amazing. What an experience. What a fantastic engine. What a brilliant piece of engineering. I don't know the story, but uh, I believe the Flying Scotsman is owned by one chap. It went to America. I should have looked all this up, actually, before having a chat with you. It went to America, and I think it ended up as almost scrap. Then it came back here, and it's been fully restored. Now, we were booked to go on it last year, last August. But it had a problem. Piston broke. <laughs> no, listen, I'm not saying that's what I am. I'm having a cup of, a cup of tea. The piston, one of the pistons broke. Okay, not piston broke. And, of course, you can't just order a new part, you know, go online, right, new piston, please, for a flying Scotsman engine. They had to make one or have one made. So that's why it was delayed for a year, our trip. Anyway, it was absolutely amazing. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for all your emails and messages. Another MP3 from Duncan. Good morning to you, Duncan. That's another one I can't play. Where do you get these noises? These early morning sounds that you record. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from Duncan. Nice to hear from you, Duncan. Today, I'm talking about things that aren't made properly anymore. In the old days, things were made properly. Now, I'll give you an example. I won't bore you with my old Lister D stationary petrol engine. But I fully restored it. It took me a couple of years on and off restoring it. And I just needed a new fuel tap for it. So I ordered one online. £12 something. It turned up. The brass, nice shiny brass. And I fitted it. And it leaks. It just leaks everywhere. Waste of time. Waste of money. I took it to bits. Bit of valve grinding paste there. Then a bit of fine paste, polishing paste to try and mate the joint so it didn't leak. It still leaked. Waste of time, waste of money. <laughs> I've been putting up with this leak for ages. I found a fuel tap online, an original Lister engine fuel tap. Now, my engine is 85 years old, built in 1938. This tap probably came from an engine of the same era. So it's an 85 or whatever year old tap. I fitted it to the engine Absolutely perfect. No leaks, no drips, no nothing. Works perfectly. On, off. <laughs> How come we can't make a simple fuel tap these days? And it's not just me. friend of mine, he's got an engine which he wants to sell if anyone's interested. Lister engine, Lister D, 250 quid. There you go. How come we can't make a simple fuel tap these days? He bought a new tap and it leaked. He's now got that sorted out. Another friend of mine's got a motorbike. Is it? A, I think he's got an old Triumph, a very old Triumph motorbike. And he said that whatever parts he orders for that, I mean, you can't get the original parts these days unless you're lucky enough 
as I was with the fuel tap, to find a second-hand part. So there are people manufacturing new parts to fit old motorbikes and old equipment. And he was saying that parts arrive and they won't fit. The thread size is slightly different, so it won't... Oh, I don't know. He said it's hopeless. Any new parts he has bought, they're not quite right. Why can't they make parts like they used to? I really don't know. It's, it's such a shame that all the old manufacturing, all the old workshops up north, the old metal workshops... Do you remember there were load up north in Britain? All these backstreet engineering works, I believe they were known as. You go in this sort of greasy, dirty old door around a back street, and in there, there's a few lathes and milling machines, and, and there are skilled craftsmen making parts, turning parts on lathes. That seems to have all gone. Goodness knows where my fuel tap was made, probably in China, churning them out, and they don't care if they leak or <laughs> Anyway, there we are. That's the, the continuing, or hopefully now ended, story of the leaking petrol tap. It seems that nothing's made properly these days. This is why I so enjoyed repairing and restoring the old vintage valve radios from the 1940s, 1950s. They were built properly. You take the back off, you take the chassis out, and it's all built properly. Nuts and bolts, not rivets everywhere. Everything was, you could repair it. If something was faulty, you could remove that part and replace it. Whereas the modern stuff, well, you can't even take the back off modern radios, can you? I've got a DAB horrible thing here. And the on-off switch is a button on the front. You press it for turning it on, you press it for turning it off. Well, that didn't work properly. I eventually got the radio to bits. That was a nightmare because you're not supposed to take them to bits. They're not made to be taken to bits. And I've sort of repaired it. I cleaned the, the contacts and put some switch cleaner on. And it, it works now after a fashion. It's not perfect, but it does work. What I might have to do is uh, drill a hole somewhere in the, in the cabinet and fit my own on-off switch at some stage. But the old valve radios from the, the 40s, they were just lovely to work on. You know, a pure, well, a joy to work on, to be honest. But uh, as they say, that's progress for you. We used to have decent equipment and now they, they produce rubbish. <laughs> it is rubbish though, isn't it? Look at the cars these days. How many times have I moaned on here about cars? Grey plastic dashboard. Nowhere to put anything. No parcel shelf, no parcel shelf, nowhere to put anything at all, no character, no nothing, just horrible plastic. Uh, I mustn't go on about cars, we'll be here all day. Let's talk about wood. This is another one of my pet hates. I go up, I'm not going to mention the name of the place, but I go up to this place where they sell all sorts of stuff, including wood. So what's the wood for the garden? It's all warped, chipped, damaged, bent, curved. <laughs> I wanted six lengths of this wood. It was about three metres long by whatever. And there's a whole pile of it there. And do you know, I couldn't find six pieces that were actually straight and undamaged. This is a couple of years ago. And I said to a chap that worked there, is there any more of this anywhere? Because all this lot basically isn't worth having. It's warped, it's bent, it's curved, it's damaged, <laughs> it's twisted. Oh, that's all we've got. Oh, OK, thank you for your help. <laughs> hopeless, absolutely hopeless. I bought some 
four by four posts. I wanted three four by four posts. Uh, what were they about? I think they're about eight feet long, whatever they were. And I went to this other place that specialised in this sort of thing. And the chap said, yep, yeah, all round the back, go and choose what you want. I went round there. A lot of them were twisted or curved. And I went back in the shop and said to him, look, I'm not trying to be funny or anything, but these three posts are going to be on show. So I don't really want them twisted and curved and warped. <laughs> oh, that's all we've got. I said, okay. He said, well, can't you find three straight ones? And I went back and I did eventually. But why is that? In the old days, my grandfather said to me when I was a boy, no, he didn't say that, I was a boy. He said to me, they used to pile up wood, new wood, okay, you, you cut down a tree and you saw it into planks or whatever, whatever you want, and you stack it up like wigwams out in the open. And he said it would be weathered, as he called it, weathered for a year, maybe 18 months or longer, depending on what wood it was. And it would be out in the rain, the wind, the sun, the snow, the ice, everything, the heat. And it was weathering. So when you finally came to build something with it, like the, the rafters on a house or whatever you're building, it wouldn't start warping and twisting because it had been weathered properly. Now, a friend of mine, this is a laugh, he bought a new house. I'm going back a while now, a few years. He bought a new house and the skirting board which had been painted by the builders, it was, there was a green patch in it. And he said, you see that green patch, it's getting bigger. And I thought, I didn't know what it was. I thought, that's strange, a green patch, what is it? Anyway, he left it because he was busy doing other things, moving in. After a couple of months, there was a branch growing out of it, a twig, a bit of a tree <laughs> growing out of the skirting. This is true, growing out of the skirting board. He had to cut it off. He said, I don't want a tree in the bedroom. <laughs> I said, oh, it would look good. It would be a feature, wouldn't it? A branch growing out of the skirting board. I said, it might have leaves. It might be an apple tree. You know, you can have an apple before you go to bed. Anyway, he cut it off and rubbed it down. And this green patch kept coming back for several months afterwards. Eventually, he dealt with it. But that wood on that new house, it was still growing. I know I've mentioned American cars many times before, but the old 50s and 1960s American cars, oh, the V12s, <laughs> a mile, not a mile to the gallon, a mile to, to the sort of two gallons or whatever fantastic of course petrol's cheap isn't it in america always has been whereas here it's expensive what is it here is it about now one 150 a liter i can't i don't know i can't remember i never look at the price i just fill the damn thing up i don't look at the price but the american cars with a huge bench seat and the radio i remember when i went to california in what, 1975 went in this car and the AM radio was one side of the dashboard and the FM uh, dial was the other side. It's all one radio, but they had separate kind of, I don't know, faces, escutcheons and knobs and things. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And sitting on this huge bench seat, it was like a sofa, like you're sitting on a sofa, you know, watching telly. Wonderful. And the aircon, that under the bonnet, the chap showed me, this is the chap we stayed with, under the bonnet, there was this huge compressor 
with a big pulley and a big V-belt driven from this massive engine that was big enough to, to move a bus. This huge compressor. And you, you turn the aircon on by pulling this lever and it locks in place, which tightens the V-belt. So the compressor turns. When you want it off, the lever goes back so the belt's loose. And it doesn't turn the compressor. What a car, though. That had character. All the old American cars really had character. I love them. And the suspension. It's like riding in a boat, going up and down, oh, up and down. I don't think they had shock absorbers. <laughs> if they did, they weren't very good. And our old cars had character. Anyway, I did say I won't bang on about cars, didn't I? Coming back from the railway, it was at uh, near Uckfield, Sheffield Park, the Bluebell Railway. 30 miles there, 30 miles back. Always seems quicker coming back. I don't know why. Always seems a lot quicker. But the roads, potholes, here we go. Potholes everywhere. We're going along. I said to Trish, it's like being on a boat in the rough sea. We're being thrown around. The poor old suspension on the car. I don't know how cars survive the roads these days. It is honestly, it's disgusting the way our roads are here. I won't bang on about the government. <laughs> That's the last thing you want to hear, isn't it? Me banging on about the government. But the roads are dreadful. It shouldn't be allowed. Let's talk about the old days again and the new days here. Craftsmen. Well, they've gone craftsmen. We had double glazing fitted. Now, the lounge window, the chap came round and he said, what we do, we, we don't use all this spray foam, expanding foam. We don't do all that nonsense. We do it properly. We fit jacks. OK, in, in the bay window, we fit jacks and they stay there. And he's coming out with all this rubbish. I didn't believe a word he said. Oh, he phoned me later. He said, that little window that you didn't want done, he said, I've just realised that uh, the number of your house is my my lucky number. I said, uh, yeah, right. He was a total idiot. I said, yes, uh, and? He said, well, that prompted me to phone you to say, look, I'll tell you what, as your house is my lucky number, I can fit that little window for whatever it was, a 200 quid. I said, well, I don't want the little window done. Well, I'll tell you what, that is my lucky number, 150... <laughs> It's not his lucky number. He must have thought I was a fool. Anyway, I watched them fit the windows. No jacks. Expanding foam. I said to the lads, what's this expanding foam? You're not meant to be using that. Well, we always use that. I said, well, your salesman. Oh, him. <laughs> this lad said he'd ought to take any notice of him. I thought, well, that's nice, isn't it? And the upstairs one, well, the one I'm looking at now in my room here, in my radio room, They'd fitted it all, and he said, right, you know, just go round and check everything. The window wouldn't open. I said, well, look, it, it won't open. Oh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's an adjustment. It wasn't an adjustment. They put the whole frame in, and it was twisted. So they were hours putting that right. And even then, it wasn't... In the end, I had to... I did the adjustment on the window. I filed a bit off the, the catch. I shouldn't have to do that. And I had to go around with the sealer outside because they'd bodged all that. And then for several months afterwards, they were phoning. Do you want this done? Do you want that done? I said, well, after that mess you made of my windows, I don't want anything done by you. Now, this chap on the phone, what he swore. <laughs> anyway, won't go into that. But again, you wouldn't get that in the old days. You'd have a chap come round and fit windows or a glazier or whatever he was doing, fitting a back door and a new frame, and he'd do it properly. 
He wouldn't sort of bodge it all up and think, oh, that'll do. Oh, yes, and in the other little room, the chap said, uh, I said, oh, you've put plastic down each side. He said, yeah, I thought it would look nice just to finish it off nicely. And I went to touch it. Oh, don't touch it, the glue's still wet. You know what they'd done? Oh, I, I can't explain it, but all the cement, all the sort of packing had fallen out. And the wallpaper on the wall coming up to the where the square window hole is, there's nothing behind the wallpaper. I didn't realise that for some weeks. And again, I thought, I'm not phoning them back. What's the point? So I took the wallpaper off, put some cement in there to make the wall proper and then repapered. You shouldn't have to do all that. Oh, bring back the old days. Bring back the craftsmen, people who had a conscience, people who cared. A chap I know bought some metal shelving to put at the back of his garage just to put tools on and bits and pieces. And it turned up, I helped him put it together. It turned up, it's very, very thin, flimsy metal. And I said, are you sure this is going to be all right? Oh, yeah, it'd be fine. <laughs> anyway, we put it all together. And he started putting stuff on the shelves. And the shelves just warped. They just buckled. <laughs> and one of the legs of these, you know, these metal frame type things you get, that just buckled over at the bottom. <laughs> he had to prop it up with a bit of wood. Do you remember Dexian? I don't know about in America and Australia or other countries, but here it was called Dexian. And it was the same sort of thing as these flimsy shelves, but made out of thick, heavy metal. It was really good. Dexian, it was called. Proper shelving. It lasts a lifetime. You can still buy it secondhand now. You often see it for sale. Secondhand Dexian shelving or bits and pieces. It's still going. And of course now, the shelving for garages and things, it's plastic. You sort of fit it all together, it clicks together somehow, and it, it's plastic stuff. And it's absolutely hopeless. You couldn't put any weight on it. The whole thing would fall over anyway without any weight on it. Absolute rubbish. Just going back to the Flying Scotsman, the steam engine. Looking at that, I've taken a load of photos and videos. Honestly, the engineering, it is fantastic. It really is amazing. The things they used to do, you look at steam engines that were built in 1800 and something. The engineering is amazing. It really is. They didn't have all the, the tools and equipment that we have these days, but they still built this stuff. Look at the buildings. I saw a before and after photo on Twitter. Well, what do they call Twitter now? They call it X, don't they? How pathetic is that? Everyone knows it's Twitter. Oh, I'll go and change it and we'll call it X. <laughs> Mental. Anyway, I was looking on X. No, it wasn't. I was looking on Twitter. And there's this before and after. There's a lovely old building, probably 1800s again, Victorian, something like that. Really beautiful building. They pulled that down and put another one in its place. Oh, you should see it. It's, it's dreadful. Architect, these people shouldn't call themselves architects. They should call themselves idiots. These lovely old buildings, as I was saying last week, loads of you, thanks for all your emails, have contacted me about that. All the big old houses that you remember in your hometown, they've gone. Blocks of flats now, or ugly places. Why is architecture these days, why is it weird? Why do we have to have buildings that kind of lean over and have bits sticking out? Is it supposed to look good? If it doesn't look good, it looks stupid. <laughs> but I've seen these before and after photos several times on uh, on Twitter and various other places. It's nice that people have taken photos 
of before and after so we can do the comparison. Well, you don't need photos if you remember what the building was like. And then you look at the new building. I don't know what it is about new buildings. Why do they look like sort of prison blocks? <laughs> they do, don't they? They look like prison. I went past Lewis Prison yesterday. I thought of all the people in there. There's high walls and barbed wire all on the top. You go, Basically, to go to the railway, you go from here to Lewis and you turn left and go up to the railway. Simple. 30 miles, as I said. Takes about three quarters of an hour. Lewis Prison. It's a lovely building. Well, from what you can see of it, it's mainly walls. You can't see a lot. But it's a lovely building. Now, one day, no doubt, they'll pull that down and build something dreadful that looks like a prison. <laughs> Happy days. This is a silly example, but it's a good example all the same. I bought a broom a few years back, a yard broom, you know, the stiff bristle-type broom. I thought, that's good. Our old one had just about worn out. Had it for decades. I think it was Trisha's grandma's, the old one. Lasted forever, hundreds of years. Bought this new thing. Within a few months, <laughs> the handle where it joined the the wooden bit of the broom at the bottom. That broke off. I had to redo that, screw it back on. The bristles were falling out. The whole thing was a waste. I threw it away. I kept the pole, you know, the handle bit, because uh, that was worth keeping for whatever project I might be doing next. But what a waste of time. And do you know what we did? Went on a thing called Free Cycle. I don't know whether you've got Free Cycle or similar things uh, abroad, but here in Britain, we got a thing called Free Cycle. And what you do Anything you don't want, you stick it on there. It's free. You don't sell it. You stick it on there. You might have some old wine-making stuff. What are they? Demijohns, things like that. An old armchair. Well, when I say old, still in reasonable condition. And you stick it on there. And someone will say, I'll have that. So you give them your address and they come and take it away. I've got all sorts of things from there. And I've also given lots of things away on there. I've had various gardening tools from there because new ones, don't go and buy a new fork, absolute waste of time. The things break, they're not manufactured properly, they're rubbish. So you want a garden fork, go on free cycle and you'll find one. If you're patient, you might have to wait a while, but one will pop up. Yep, yeah, I'll come and grab that for nothing. And that's where I found a broom, second-hand yard broom. Nothing wrong with it. The lady that was getting rid of it, she was clearing out the garage. She said, we've got about six brooms. I don't know why. So she given all of them away except for this last one. She kept one for herself. And I had this one. And it was as good as new. It was very old, but still as good as new. It hadn't been used a lot. Proper bit of gear, you know, proper, I don't know, properly made, properly put together. I was looking around the station at Sheffield Park yesterday when we were waiting to board the train. And in the waiting room, the wood panelling, what's it called? Wainscotting, isn't it? The wood panelling. I was thinking when I was looking around, everything was nice. It was all built properly. Sash windows, things like that, still working. All these hundreds of years later, I don't know when Sheffield Park Station was, was built, probably 1860 something. The footbridge over the line, over the railway lines, the original ironwork on the footbridge, fantastic. And at Ambley, I've looked at Ambley Station, which is right outside Ambley Museum. They've still got the original iron footbridge there, all put together with big rivets, you know, those huge rivets, all this ironwork. These days they have some, <laughs> some dreadful concrete prefab thing that they, they chuck up. Yes, it works, but it's, it's not at all 
aesthetic, that's the word, isn't it? It's not nice to look at. It just looks like a horrible old concrete footbridge, which is what it is. Whereas they had all ornate things. There's a pumping station, a sewerage pumping station. Hope you're not eating. <laughs> Don't worry about the, what it's pumping. Inside, where is this? Is it Hove near Brighton, near me? Or is it, I can't remember, is it in London? I've seen photographs of it. All this ornate ironwork inside and the ceiling. It looks like a cathedral. Absolutely incredible. And all it is is an old sewerage pumping station. But the work they put into it, the effort, the design, it, it just looks lovely. I've got a note here on my desk. Well, it's not a desk. Oh, no, I can't mention the... Who was it that said, don't keep mentioning your three-quid pine table? That was funny. Who was that? Message me, email me and let me know. I like that. I never forget that. I tell people that, that come in here. Not many people do, but what was I going to... I forget what I was going to say now. Look, I've got distracted. Well, that's what it is. There's a note here. It says, fantastic. That means, to remind me, don't keep saying fantastic. It was Duncan. Strange noise, Duncan. Hello, Duncan, with your strange noises. He said, why do you keep saying fantastic? I didn't realise that I did, Duncan. It's funny, isn't it? It's only when you listen back to yourself, and I don't. I don't listen to my podcasts. They're boring. <laughs> no, I do listen to bits just to edit out things, edit out strange noises, Duncan. Uh, no, not your noises, other noises that might be around in the in the house here. But I keep saying fantastic, apparently. Oh, that's fantastic. This is fantastic. So I'm going to have to change that to something else, like brilliant, amazing, awesome. That's one of the new words, isn't it, these days? It's awesome. <laughs> I remember the grandkids when they were a bit younger. The girls were saying things like coolio, cool bananas. And if I said coolio, you can't say coolio, granddad, you're too old. <laughs> Why am I too old to say coolio? So I started saying cool bananas. They got that from their dad. You can't say cool bananas, granddad, you're too old. So, of course, I said it even more just to wind them up. Bless their cotton socks. Another one of theirs, instead of OK, it was Okies. And, you know, that's caught on. I say that to people on the radio. I'm chatting to someone and I say Okies. <laughs> and I do it, use it in emails. O-K-I-E-S, Okies. I got that from them. Perhaps I am too old. I have to change my, my words, my vocabulary. I've just been out in the garden to have a break and make a cup of coffee. Of course, what have I done? I forgot to make coffee. Do you do that? I go downstairs to make tea or coffee, have a look outside or get distracted by something, come back up here and I've forgotten to make the coffee. <laughs> I was going to have, or was I having tea? I can't remember. Anyway, the moral of the story is I went outside and the carrot seeds at last have come up. Tiny little green things, very thin sort of little needly things are coming up out of the soil in rows. So we've got carrots on the way, which will be nice. I've had to cover it all with netting, though, because the squirrels bury monkey nuts, the peanuts. Do you find that? Do you give monkey nuts to the squirrels? What they do is they bury them and the nuts grow. It's quite amazing. It's not fantastic. It's quite amazing. It's coolio, how they grow. And what I've done before now, I've put a, a monkey nut, a whole monkey nut in the shells, put it in a flower pot in some soil, and up pops a peanut plant. 
I've never actually let one grow properly. Perhaps I ought to plant a row of them on my vegetable plot and see what happens. They're very easy to, is it to germinate, propagate or whatever, germinate I expect. They're easy to grow. And one thing I did notice while I was out there, the sun is up and it's bright and it's hot. This time of year, the sun is really hot. Yesterday, the forecast was heavy rain, torrential heavy rain, thunder, lightning, dreadful storms. And we're all thinking, oh, no, no, it's going to ruin our trip on the on the train. We took with us, uh, they call them cagoules, these. What is a cagoule? It used to be a plastic mac. When I was a boy, you had a plastic mac. Now you have to have a, a cagoule or something daft. Anyway, we took our plastic macs with us. And, you know, it didn't rain at all. We had one or two spots while we were on the train, you can see on the windows. And that was it. But coming back, uh, as we were coming past Brighton, the heavens opened. <laughs> Lightning flashes, thunder crashing, lashing rain. I had to have the windscreen wipers on flat out. Absolutely, I was going to say fantastic, absolutely amazing. It was fab. <laughs> yes, it really was fab. Then we got back here, still lashing down. After about half an hour, we'd been back here. No rain, no thunder. The sun's out. It's hot. Shed roofs are steaming with the heat. Isn't weather a funny thing? We were going through areas where the roads were completely dry. Another bit, there's puddles everywhere. Then you come out of that completely dry. So the rain is in very localised places. But I do like a good electrical storm. I had already disconnected and earthed all my aerials, grounded my aerials, because I didn't want to get back and find my radios have all been blown up. I now have my cup of coffee. I've been to check the carrots. <laughs> they haven't grown any more since just now. But one of our kitchen cupboards, you know these units, these horrible, cheap kitchen units, they're not proper wood, they're chipboard. Uh, melamine, is it? Melamine-covered chipboard. Well, one of the doors is hanging off again. These dreadful hinges they use. You try and adjust them, the door won't shut, or it, I don't know, they hang off at an angle. They're always looking crooked and hanging off. It's rubbish, isn't it? My parents in the 50s, I was five years old, we moved into a new bungalow, brand new bungalow. That's when they were built reasonably well still, unlike these days. And the kitchen units, I do remember, because we were there until I was, what, uh, 18 years old, I think. The kitchen units were proper wood, not chipboard, proper wood. Really nice, with proper hinges. You never had any of the doors hanging off or needed adjusting. They were proper cupboards. And the drawers had proper, I don't know, it was built properly. Do you have trouble with these kitchen units, the doors hanging off? I'm continually adjusting these daft hinges. I don't know who invented that. They should be put down. They're dreadful, dreadful design. It's cheap, isn't it? It's cheap and simple. Chipboard, you can't screw into chipboard. Not properly. You've got these special big fat screws, haven't you? They rip out eventually. Then you've got nothing left to screw into. And, oh, it's another nightmare. You can, of course, if you've got the money, buy proper wood cabinets, wood units, oak, I expect, if you can afford it. That would be heavy on the wall, though, wouldn't it? You couldn't use cheap old plastic wall plugs. <laughs> You'd have to have bolts. I often wonder why these cupboards don't fall down. I put them up on the walls. It's only plastic 
wall plugs and screws. I didn't use the, the kit that came with it, you know, the silly little screws and plugs. I went and got my own big plugs and long screws. And inside the cupboards, instead of just screwing through the back, I put pieces of wood across as well to strengthen the whole thing. You shouldn't have to do all that, though. Our neighbour, they had a leak on the back wall somewhere and their two, I think it was two of their units, their cupboards fell off the wall because the damp went down. They were away on holiday. They came back, the kitchen floor's wet, the cupboards are on the kitchen floor, smashed. Oh, dreadful nightmare. See, again, nothing is made properly, is it? It's all cheap stuff thrown together to save money. It's false economy. To buy cheap stuff, it really is false economy. You might as well spend a bit more. You don't always have to spend a lot more to get something decent. Here's a good example. A tin opener. The old-fashioned tin opener where you clamp it onto the tin and turn the hand or twist the thing. <whistles> Goes all the way around the tin. Then the lid falls off into your baked beans, you know. <laughs> Those tin openers, they were brilliant. But the ones you buy these days, they're cheap and horrible. They don't work properly. It's worth spending a little bit more getting exactly the same design, but properly manufactured. You've only got to spend a little bit more money and it'll last forever and it won't annoy you every time you want to open the baked beans. Trish uses a rather posh electric tin opener. I can't handle the thing. I can't get on with it at all. It goes and the tin doesn't go down round. It falls off. Then the baked beans, they spill. <laughs> she says, what are you doing? Get out of the way and let me do it. We bought a, a food mix, a proper food mix. Here we go, 400 pounds. This was a few years back now, very expensive. We kept getting these food mixers, well-known makes that I won't mention, but the motor, carbon brush type motor, and a, a belt that drives the, the mix a bit, the belts kept shredding and falling to bits. The motors would burn out. You'd put something in there to mix and it's going... Then smoke comes out of the motor. You know, it's all red hot because it can't handle it. So I said, right, what we'll do, because Trish makes a lot of cakes and she does a lot of her own cooking. She makes her own bread and everything. So the food mixer was always in use. That's probably why these cheap things didn't last long. I said, what we need is a, a mixer with an induction motor. If you're going to buy a food mixer, make sure it's got an induction motor. It's a hefty motor, very powerful. No drive belts, no V belts, none of that. No belts to fall apart, just this hefty induction motor. And it's brilliant. She was saying at the time, 400 pounds, are oh, you joking? I said, no, no, no. And that was years ago. It's still going strong and that will go on forever. It really will, it'll go on forever. So again, buying the cheaper stuff, it's false economy. Her hairdryer, can you believe this? I, I mean, I don't know whether this is a good idea or not. Her hairdryer was 400 pounds. 400. You can get them for 6.99 up the, <laughs> the road in a cheap shop. But it's a very good one. You probably know the make. Everything they manufacture is hugely expensive. But it's a very special hairdryer and she loves it. It works really well. And hopefully, well, for £400, it should do. Hopefully it'll last a few years, unlike the other ones. Chap I know, he's just bought a very old Atco petrol lawnmower. He hasn't got a very big lawn, but he likes engine. Here's the chap with the, the Lister engine for sale. 
and he's done that up and he mows his lawn with this petrol lawnmower. Brilliant, proper bit of kit. None of this modern plastic rubbish. <laughs> These horrible modern lawnmowers, they're dreadful. Actually, we do have, again, I won't mention the make, we have an electric battery type mower where you charge the battery, no wires dragging across the lawn, which is good. There again, you don't have that with a motor mower, do you, a petrol mower? But this one, they were well over 400 quid and it was given to us. The person didn't want it. They couldn't get on with it. And I thought, well, we'll have a go at that. And it really is good. It's an excellent bit of kit. But for the price, I wouldn't pay that. I wouldn't pay well over, I think it was £460 for a lawnmower. I, I wouldn't pay that you know, just to mow the lawn. I stone the crows. Mind you, Trisha's hairdryer was 400 So, well, yeah, I don't know. But this lawnmower, it's, it's all plastic, of course. Well, the blade isn't, that's metal. <laughs> it's got a decent motor. It's got a good battery. The trouble is the battery, I happened to look online because I was wondering what happens if the battery ever wants replacing. 60 pounds just for the battery, 60 quid. Talk about stone the crow. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Everything's gone mad these days. As it's Friday, we're off to the club tonight. It's music uh, quiz night. So Trish and I are going, Trish's sister and her husband, the four of us are going. Oh, we might, might have Dave as well, young Dave. He might come along with us. So we're going along there. We're going to have fish and chips here, first of all. That's what we do. They pick up fish and chips on the way here. Then we go up the club. A couple of beers and the music quiz. I can't answer any of the. Well, I did answer one question last time. Trish is the music guru. Is that the right word? She knows the lyrics to all the songs. She knows the titles, who sang them, the dates, who was the drummer, who was the lead guitarist. I can't remember any of it. So that should be good evening, hopefully. Then uh, tomorrow we're around my mother. She's just had a new fire door fitted. She lives in a flat and they had to have fire doors fitted. And I had to adjust the door opener on that one. It closed very, very slowly. Then the last few inches, bang, shut. And all you can hear around these block of flats, it's not a huge block, is bang, 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 all these doors closing. Of course, people have been moaning. But that's the idea of a fire door, isn't it? It's got to slam shut and make sure it's properly shut. It's no good if it sticks half open. That defeats the whole object of having the fire door. So I've adjusted it. It's a lot easier for her to open. She had to use two hands, pull on the handle to open the door. And it really was difficult. I found it quite hard to open. So I've adjusted the door closer thing on the top. I said to her, don't you tell people, don't tell other people that I've adjusted it. They'll all be on to me. You just take the cover off. and There's a couple of screws that you can turn uh, clockwise or anti-clockwise, depending on what you want to do. So it still slams shut and works properly as a fire door. But uh, it just isn't so heavy for her to open. So we're round there. Then we've got people here for lunch. Then uh, Sunday we're round. I forget who's out. Is it our, our niece? No, it's not. It's a granddaughter. We're round someone's house. New kitchen light, PowerPoint and some other electrical work. Uh, Monday's bank holiday. I think I've got a day off Monday. That's nice, isn't it? Oh, I must just tell you this. I was up, where was I? Some local place big ironmonger type place you know where they sell all sorts and they were selling sheds and there's this shed there we were looking for plants winter pansies or whatever there's this shed i said to trish look at that shed a very small shed 400 pounds 
it said on it, 400 quid. It's only about, I don't know, six by three or not even that. More like a, a cupboard. 400 quid. And I went and had a look, opened the door, looked inside. It's a rickety thing. It's dreadful. The wood's already split. It's brand new. The wood's split. They've used cheap hinges and cheap everything. Honestly, that won't last more than a year out in the weather. Now, I remember we had a shed. My dad had a shed when we moved into that bungalow, I told you. We moved in there when I was five. So that was 1956. He bought a second-hand shed and he put that up. And, you know, that was there all the time. we were, Well, I left there when I was 18. That's when we moved. That shed, every now and then he'd put creosote on it. Never a problem. Never any problem with the hinges or anything. No wood splitting. I think he had to refelt the roof a couple of times. But that was it. And that was a second-hand shed when he got hold of it. Whereas these modern, oh, absolute, again, rubbish. Absolute rubbish. £400 for this thing. I'm building a back gate. My mother-in-law, she wants a back gate. So measured it. And it's a bit of an odd width. What is it? Seven, 70 centimetres? I can't remember. I wish we'd do it in inches. Trish measured it when she was round there. She said it's 70 centimetres. Well, all the back gates are, what are they? About 90, I think they are, or 95. So I thought, OK, I'll perhaps cut a gate down. Well, there's about four inches either side I'd have to cut off. So in the end, I said to Trish, I'll, I'll build one. I'll buy some featherboard and some planks of wood and I'll, I'll make a gate to fit. It's easy enough. And, you know, I worked out the wood to build one. It's going to be, was it about 35, 40 pounds? You, you know, the featherboard and the other bits of wood, about that much. These gates that you buy, and they are rubbish. The cheapest I found was 100 and, what's it, 135, 135 quid for this gate. And, of course, it's far too wide. So I'm going to actually make one. And a couple of people have said to me, oh, can you make a gate? Can you do that? That's not easy. Well, of course it's easy. <laughs> you have a look at your back gate if you've got one, or your side gate. It's either tongue and groove or featherboard. And a few bits on the other side. You've got to do the Z bits if you look at it. It's like a Z. And that's to stop the thing sort of sagging one end. And it's just screwed together. Bit of creosote, of course. So that's another job. I think I'm doing that next week. Yes, I'm not having a day off after all, am I? When we moved in here, that's what, over well over 20 years ago, the old fence, it was the original fence from when the house was built. And the house is now just over 100 years old. The original fence. And, you know, it was oak. And it was the original fence. Yes, it was all falling to bits and it was rotting. But it was oak. You try and buy an oak fence these days, it'll cost you more than the house. <laughs> And of course now we've got uh, we've got concrete posts that you slide the panels into, and the wood panels oh they're dreadful, <laughs> honestly the wood it's all the featherboard type things you know it, is it called lap or whatever it is, whatever it's called it's rubbish that's what it's called. Can I have a couple of rubbish fence panels for you? Yeah, they're fifty quid each. How much? <laughs> we do need one or two replacing, but of course with the concrete posts we've had put in, a friend of mine did that excellent job. All you do is slide the old panel out and then drop the new one in. They're six foot by six foot panels, so you've got to hold them right up, six foot up in the air to drop them into the, you know, between the posts that have got the grooves in. 
But these modern panels, you know, I've creosoted them, I've tried to look after them. They're just rubbish to start with. I mean, when, you, when you're buying rubbish to start with, it's going to end up as rubbish, isn't it? Before, oh, I don't know, before any years have passed. We were looking at some old 1940s or 50s wooden toys the other day in a, where was it, a junk shop. Was it a junk shop, charity shop, whatever it was? Really nicely made, quite well priced. I was tempted actually to buy them. A wooden steam engine with the trucks behind. Really nice. And I remember toys I had. Do you know, I had uh, metal cars, little dinky cars, and underneath it said Empire Made. I wish I'd kept those. They're worth a few quid now. Empire Made. Because I remember asking, I think it was my granddad again. I remember asking him, what's Empire mean? Where's Empire? What country is that? Empire Made. Because sometimes you get made in Hong Kong or made wherever, made in England. That was nice to see on the old engines yesterday. And on the, the carriages, you know, the wheels, the wheel bearings, the covers. British Rail, it said on there, made in England. Whoa, wow, that's <laughs> a result. You don't see that very often these days. Made in England, struth. We don't make anything anymore in England, do we? Remember our motorbikes? They were, oh, they were known the world over. Of course, the Japanese took that lot over, didn't they? And made these things that buzz around, Yamaha or whatever, buzzing around the place. Good old motorbikes we had. Well, this chap I've mentioned earlier, uh, Dave with his motorbike. I'm sure it's a Triumph. Very old. I don't know what year. If he turns up tonight, I'll ask him. I'm sure it's Triumph. But I know it's very old. Well, it's now Saturday. Dave did turn up last night and I forgot to ask him. To be honest, it was so noisy in the club with music. I don't know why they have to have music so loud. As I get older, my ears seem to become more sensitive. You're supposed to get deaf as you go old. It's the opposite with me. I'm hearing more and more. But it was really loud in there. A good evening, though, all the same. I enjoyed it. Brilliant sunshine now. We've had torrential rain this morning. And I heard on the TV, was it only five days left of summer? I think summer officially ends at the end of August. So uh, where are we today? 26th. This will be going on Sunday tomorrow, the 27th. So yes, end of August is autumn. It's fall. There we are, <laughs> surrounded by fools. Now, that's when I'm driving the car on the roads, surrounded by fools. So we've had torrential rain and wind this morning. There was lightning. Uh, when was that? In the night? I don't know what's going on. This summer has been a complete disaster, basically. In June, we had a couple of weeks, red hot weather, and we we're all saying to each other, this is it, summer is here at last. And after, after the two weeks went, wind, rain, anyway, there we are, doom and gloom. We're doomed not to worry. I've just put my jacket on because it's not that warm in here. It's, well, I don't know what the temperature is, I can't see the thing, but it is chilly today as well. Anyway, you won't believe this, what we were talking about at the club last night, getting some coal for the coal fire this winter. I was saying I better order some coal. <laughs> oh no, how can we be talking about ordering coal for the winter when it's still August? What's the weather like where, where you are? Any good? I was watching telly the other day and they showed Australia the summer, sorry, winter there, midwinter, 
Midwinter, there's people in T-shirts and shorts. <laughs> it's like midwinter here and summer in Australia, not the other way round. OK, I think that's it for now. I expect you've had enough of me droning on. I told you the carrot seeds are up, didn't I? Yes, I did. That's good. I shall go and check those in a minute. Mind you, they probably think that the winter's coming now. Everywhere is green, though. We've had so much rain, and what with a bit of warmth and sunshine, everything is green. Looks lovely. When we drove to the Bluebell Railway, uh, Sheffield Park Station and back, everything was noticeably green. In fact, some of the leaves on the trees, I'm looking at our cherry tree now, and they are turning. They're going a little bit autumnal. Look at that wind. Stoner crows, what is going on with our weather? The cherry tree is going mental, it's going ballistic. But some of the leaves are beginning to turn a little bit autumny. Is that a word? Autumny. Take care, everyone. Lovely talking to you as always. I shall see you on Wednesday with the midweek message. If you've anything to say, raise rants at protonmail.com. Behave yourselves, as always. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> that leaves it wide open, doesn't it? See you Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.